So you've come here for the truth. Well, we've got the truth and nothing but the truth. Here are your hosts, Robert A. Bianchi and David J. Bruno. Welcome to WMTR Radio's Nothing But The Truth with your host Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno. It is a show of two lawyers from New Jersey, but not about law, Dave. It's about mindset. Great guests that we've had on. We keep piling on great attitudes, dealing with diversity, overcoming the odds, and we're really super excited that, Dave, this one I know you love because it's right up your Randolph Wrestling alley, as it were. It's it's not just Randolph Wrestling. I mean, it's New Jersey wrestling. Mm. It's co- college wrestling. We have Pat Glory from the Princeton Tigers, NCAA champion, two-time New Jersey champion, He's a resident of Randolph. He went to Del Barton. And this is really close to my heart as a wrestler. I wrestled for Randolph too. Graduated a little before Pat here. But uh, what a stellar career. I mean, at Del Barton, he finished with a 157-7 career record, which is exceptional. Two-time New Jersey state champion. Then goes to Princeton. And just went, he won last year. Uh, this is big news out of Princeton, big news out of New Jersey. And really, as a wrestler, I got, I could tell you guys, hardest workers, most discipline, got the will to win. And especially when you have a champion like this, Bob, Pat, thank you for coming on. I can't wait to hear you on nothing but the truth. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so Pat, listen, at the end of all this, I just want to make this very clear, and both of you guys don't know this, but I, I do believe that it would probably be appropriate to have uh, you, Pat, and Dave have a wrestle-off for charity. And, and <laughs> you know, what we're going to do, though, I'm told we have to do based on this record, is we're going to basically tie your two hands behind your back and put a put a 50-pound ankle weight on you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I would. I would. I mean, I haven't been on the mat in a while. Actually, Pat, my, my uh, kindergarten son, Mason, Actually, was on the mat for the first time, and it was so surreal. You could relate to this. We're in the Randolph Wrestling Room, okay, at the high school. And still, if you go into the Randolph Wrestling Room right now, you got pictures of me, Ryan Brennan, Tom Markey, Gregory, James on the board right there. And it's so surreal being in the room that I sweat, I bled. I worked hard all throughout midgets in high school, sitting there watching my son, who's five years old with wrestling shoes. You know, it's such an exceptional opportunity. So I know you could relate because you were in the same room, right? To- totally. Yeah, I grew up as a, uh, you know, a junior Ram, as, they are, as they're called. And, uh, you know, I had such a blast. And, and the, uh, the experiences, the people that I met, uh, just, you know, it's, it's a family. So I, I really can truly call, you know, all those people, you know, that kind of grew up with me through that Randolph wrestling room and the program and dual meets against, you know, all the, you know, you know, uh, tri-county, you know, other yeah. teams and stuff like that. It just, there's nothing like it. And, and really, you know, I've been blessed to meet a lot of the best wrestlers of like of all time. And even they, you know, some of them come from backgrounds where wrestling's not as prominent, right? It's like, we're really blessed to live in an area where wrestling is like appreciated. And there's a lot of high level wrestling around that people can like see and like try to, you know, want to emulate, you know? So that, for me, that was a huge reason, I think, why, uh, you know, I was able to do what, you know, kind of have success in wrestling is because, you know, a lot of it is, you know, just 
you know, where you, where you grow up, right. The, 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 the tools and the access that you have, um, relative to others. So I was really blessed in that regard as well. Yeah. Let's kick it off. I mean, you're a champ yourself. And like you said, you've been surrounded by so many successful wrestlers, uh, growing up and in your college career. What could you say are like the common character traits that you've seen from the best, including yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, one of the things that just, I think comes with the sport of wrestling, you know, even from a young, young age is just like willingness to sacrifice. You know, I think that, um, a lot of times people kind of are afraid to, um, to, to have failure, right. To kind of like deal with adversity, um, go through pain and, and, and kind of deal with it head on. Um, right. I mean, it's, you know, physically painful, but it's, you know, mentally, right. You go out there, you take a loss. You can't really blame anybody. You're pointing your fingers, right. So it's, yeah, you have to kind of swallow your pride in a lot of senses. Um, you know, especially, you know, when you're, when you're starting to learn in the sport and you're developing. So I think, you know, a lot of the best highest level wrestlers are, you know, obviously the discipline, the, you know, work ethic, you know, the desire to want to learn new things and kind of apply them to their wrestling style. But also just like a willingness to, you know, sacrifice more than the next guy. You know what I mean? Like, like I think there's a pride in, you know, how much they're giving up in order to try to achieve their goals. So it's almost like a competition for some of these guys. You know, I've seen the highest of highest level guys that just, it's like crazy, you know, that they still have time to, you know, raise families and, you know, do all the things they want to do because they're just always working, you know, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, Pat, you know, when I, I see somebody who is a champ like you, and it doesn't make a difference what your success rate and anything you do is, I've come to understand as I've gotten older, it's about the fight itself. Uh, but you have succeeded, and I'm sure that that is a combination of physical talent and skill, but there's probably a lot more, or I'm interested if you believe, there's a lot more about mindset. Mm -hmm. you, talked a, you talked a little bit about it, and, and I want you to amplify especially when you're in an adversarial proceeding. Now, I've never wrestled, but I take that to look like it's two people on a mat. It's you versus the other person, and, and everyone's burning you. It's a lot like a trial, Dave, and they're looking at what you're doing, and you've put a lot of commitment and time into it. There's got to be, or is there in your mind, fear or trepidation or concern, but nevertheless, you overcome it mentally am i speaking a language that's true to you because i think a lot of people think people like you are just super skilled and you've just got this innate ability to do things but there's a lot of mind matter that goes on with this no absolutely um you know it's it's crazy because to me the sport of wrestling is 80 percent mental maybe even more than 80 percent 20 percent of it is the technical and you know physical skill because um at the end of the day like when you get out there for the most part you have the same you know technical ability as the other guy you have the same you know physical ability for the most part right you can you know you're the same weight class right it's like it's it's very it's even it's even playing fields right so um the 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 person that usually wins is someone that usually has control of the mental aspect right because it's it, it's it's it, once you get on the mat you can't really think about anything so um i struggle with that at the very beginning of my wrestling career um for a really long time. And, you know, for me, it was something that I think kept me coming back to wrestling was because I, I didn't have the success, right? Like I've seen so many kids, right. That they have so much success at such a young age. And they think that, you know, oh, like 
you know, I'm, I'm so great. You know, you don't have to continue to work. And then they fall off, you know, as, you know, things progress as you get older, right. Things get harder. Um, they kind of don't know how to deal with that adversity anymore. So I think, you know, kind of like a silver lining blessing in disguise uh, for me was how much unsuccess that I had when I was super young. So just kind of a backstory. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, tell you know, a whole long story here, but you know, I'm in middle school. Uh, you know, my first state tournament was in the third grade. So I think it was like eight years old, eight or eight or nine. Um, and I didn't really have an expectation, didn't really like go to a lot of clubs. Like, like you see a lot of these kids doing, you know, doing the extra work. I kind of was just a in season wrestler. I was still playing baseball and playing football and all that stuff. Um, but I, you know, my dad signed me up for a qualifier. I qualified for the state tournament and then get put into my first tournament, you know, state, state tournament. And I wound up taking second and I was winning the whole match. And I still remember this match to this day as a, as an eight year old, right. It's crazy because I wrestled one of my high school teammates. Um, and, uh, just kind of another thing, how small the wrestling world is, but, um, you know, like that was the hardest thing ever. I was so devastated. I was like, you know. How, how could I not win this? I, I gave it up in the last 30 seconds of the match. And that's all I could think about was how I, how I gave it up. Right. But I think a little bit, a part of it was that I, I psyched myself out and I, and I kind of learned this about myself over the, ne- you know, the, the next formidable years. Right. So, so from, you know, third grade on through my first two years of high school, I took second another four times. So I, you know, going into my junior high school, which is when, you know, you're supposedly in your prime and you're getting recruited by all these places. I wasn't even ranked because I had taken second again um, the year before, right? So that that made it so that I took third, second in the state three times as a middle score, twice uh, my freshman and sophomore year uh, of high school. So I just, I never could really break through that barrier and always kind of felt like I was the perpetual second guy, right? The, the second place or the guy that almost could do it, but never really got it done. And so it was after my sophomore year where I really realized that like something wasn't right uh, on the mental side. I just wasn't telling myself the right things. I wasn't being mindful of the right things going into matches because, um, you know, I, I had no problem going up to the finals. And when, when that pedestal is right there, when that trophy is right there ahead of you, it almost psychs you out a little bit. You get so nervous about not achieving it. Um, and so kind of like you said, Bob, like, you know, there is a little bit of a fear, right? Because, you, you know, you there's always a little voice in the back of your head telling you like, what if that, what if this, all these subjective kind of ideas that you can't control. So I tried, you know, you know, listening to music or trying to get your mind off it for whatever reason, I wasn't like telling myself the right things. I started seeing a, a sports psychologist and uh, him and I, you know, just started working on like things to actively kind of work on your mindfulness and work on like what you're telling yourself whenever you kind of feel yourself, your, your mind pulling you into like a negative direction, you know, you can like identify that and then tell yourself, you know, Hey, like, you know, this is normal or, you know, our mind's telling us these negative sh- subjective things. Now let's, let's be mindful of that. And let's, you know, have these objective thoughts as in, you know, the technical things that you want to work on in the map, like how you want to set up your shots um, like the things you want to get to, maybe even like thinking about, um, th- uh, you know, things you don't want to let your opponent do. So I think that's something that kind of made me a lot more like uh, structured maybe in kind of what I was thinking about as opposed to kind of just being nervous about mm. the, the outcome when you don't really have control over that. You just got to do all the things in the match to, to do what you need to do. 
I think I think what he just said, Dave. It's like myself too. I yeah. I started on trial, started feeling nervous a lot, which was really unusual, and I didn't understand it. It was like a sight game, and I remember getting to a point where I would just I and I think it's so important what you said, Pat. Is not running away from it. People say, take your mind off it. <laughs> the more they tell you to take your mind off it, the more you think about taking. Oh my god, I'm not taking my mind off it, and that adds a whole another amplifies another problem. So I would just look at it, and in my mind say, there you are. Fear, concern, anxiety, you're only a thought, you're only created, you're manufactured, I'm good at what I do, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to kill it. And that was when I finally allowed myself to accept that this is a part of the process. It made a tremendous difference. Sure. I mean, I could relate. I wish I had that <laughs> advice when I was in high school myself and look for any wrestlers. And it's not just wrestlers, too. You could relate as a trial lawyer. I bet there are a number of different sports that also this is applicable to. But the mindset, the self-talk, you know, it's really not psyching yourself out or thinking about the negative. It's repositioning yourself with what is going to, how am I going to, how am I going to deal with this? What am I working on? Man, exceptional. And I'm so glad that you found that at a young age because you're still, you're still going to the next level. I, I have no doubt, Pat. All right, Thank you Pat. for sharing. Let's hold on because I think that's really important. We're going to talk a little bit more about that on the other side. This is WMTR Radio. It's nothing but the truth. With your host, Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno, we'll be right back. At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. Welcome back to WMTR Radio. Nothing but the truth of Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno. Pat, listen, you're throwing down some serious wisdom here. I think it's really important. Um, virtually everyone that we've spoken to, their success story was about their mindset. And and you also went, and I think this is important, you identified the issue. And then you went for counseling with a, with a sports psychologist. Talk to us a little bit about what techniques you were taught. And for those that are listening to this show that are in fear or don't think they can do it or have those bad thoughts in their heads they can't get over, tell us how people can help you get around them and what difference it made in your life, in your career. Yeah, again, like, uh, you know, everyone kind of has their own system. And I think that that's really cool is like everyone has a unique way of dealing with their mindset, right? And, and it, it, everyone has their own unique background and uh, way, you know, so um, I think for me, I've always been coached and I'm, you know, I've, I've been told that I'm a very coachable person. So I think I, you know, I, I kind of identified it like, hey, you know, maybe I need a mindset coach, right? So someone to kind of give you like active things to, to work on, because I didn't really know, you know, what I should be thinking about or how I should be thinking about approaching, you know, my mindset going into these matches. Um, and so I think from, from that on, you know, my wrestling, I was just, I was kind of freed to wrestle the way that I would wrestle in a wrestling room with no one watching. Um, and it really just allowed me to kind of reach my peak and, and, and you know, I was kind of holding myself back because of that. I didn't have that, that piece that that was the missing piece of the puzzle, so to speak. And so, um, one of the things that he, you know, really honed in was like objectivity versus subjectivity, right? Subjectivity, meaning the things you can't control the, you know, the, the what ifs and the what have you's the objectivity being like all the work that you do, right. And, and all the things that you, your mind throws away when you start thinking negatively. So I think again, like addressing when you don't have positive thoughts coming through your head and then, you know, kind of just shifting your mindset, just identifying it, being mindful of it, and then completely shifting. 
Has that transferred to the rest of your life as well? Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things that uh, the conversations kind of spurred in my, in my mind is like how, how much wrestling connects to, you know, just everyday life. Right. So um, I'm officially retired uh, competitively on the wrestling front and I was starting my job in, in New York city uh, later in July. And so just, you know, connecting the wrestling mindset, the, the, you know, athletic, you know, mindset to, to business, to professional life. Um, you know, it, 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 it is, it is very applicable because, um, you know, like you have a project you have to do, or, um, you know, even for other sports, right. If you're, um, going into a game, you know, leading up to something that's very important, um, you know, obviously you need to be able to kind of identify the process and figure out, you know, how I should be attacking this mindset. Uh, and how I should be attacking this issue or this problem or this project or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, again, like have, have a plan of attack. I think for me, it's like always having like my weeks planned out, right? Like, I mean, it's one of the things that wrestling teaches you, right? Like you're doing two practices a day. So like figuring out how to time manage is, is huge, right? It's, it's kind of just, mm-hmm. it's been second nature to me now because of just being very mind, like I think I think I'm going to use the word mindful a lot because I think just being mindful in all facets of life is 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 hugely important. Understanding, you know, what what things I have coming up, kind of being forward looking and and being proactive, um, but also uh, you know, doing the work in you know times where you're also able to kind of free up time to do, you know, things that are, you, you enjoy, you know, have, have some free time to, you know, socialize and do, because also like, you're going to go crazy if you're just working all the time. So, um, I think that's kind of been something that, that wrestling has applied to my everyday life because now, even now that wrestling's done, um, I'm still kind of running on the same, you know, wrestling schedule. And I probably will be, you know, for the rest of my life, even though wrestling practice might not be uh, part of it. Yeah. What, what does that schedule entail? I mean, first of all, the habits, have you, have you put into your schedule certain habits like uh, diaries or gratitude journals, meditation? What is a, what does a day in your life look like? Yeah. You know, I think uh, a lot of the times if I'm like, you know, walking to class or, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking as a, you know, student athlete on campus now, right. Or if, or if I'm kind of studying and, and just have some free time, I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I'll get up in the morning and listen to some, like, obviously I'm a finance guy. So I like listening to my, you know, my CNBC podcasts in the morning and, um, you know, also reading. I think I, one of the things that has been really cool for me is going to Princeton. People will recommend you books, like, you know, the really, really good books. Um, so I think I have a reading list that's two pages long now. So I got to start cracking on those, but, um, reading just kind of, on, you know, in free times instead of watching TV and kind of doing something that's maybe passive, you know, kind of like stimulating your mind in, in different ways. But um, one of the things that we do as a team that I think really helped uh, just like as a, as a group was, was yoga. And like, I think, you know, just even like you talk about meditation. So like you can, you can almost think of yoga as a time to meditate, you know, and, and our instructor was great. She, you know, would play like, you know, very mindful music and, would be very like adamant about us kind of like being in our own head and, and being very, you know, again, mindful is kind of the theme of, of this talk here, I guess. But, um, you know, it's good to kind of take a second to, to think about what, what your goals are and, um, you know, also, you know, just kind of relax a little bit because you get kind of caught up in the stress of life and, uh, it, it, you know, kind of get underwater a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you just need a second to, 
kind of decompress and, and get recharged to kind of hit the ground running again once, you know, once you're ready. You said uh, retiring from competitive wrestling. It kind of surprised me, Pat. I mean, Olympics out there, a lot of the wrestlers are converting into UFC and some of the mixed martial arts. Did you get, ever give the, those opportunities any thought? Totally. I mean, you know, it's a, you know, it's a huge thought and it, it's kind of like the sacrifice that this decision, you know, that was kind of the other side of this decision. Right. And it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, I went to, you know, a private high school so I can get into a, you know, an Ivy league school, you know, a little bit easier. Right. And, and have it be kind of more of a pipeline. And then I went to an Ivy league school and sacrificed, you know, scholarship money so that I can get the best education I possibly could. So now it's like, for me, I've always seen kind of college wrestling being the end of the road for me. And, uh, you know, I kind of, you know, dipped my toe in the water. I wrestled in uh, the U S open in Las Vegas and, um, you know, didn't have the, you know, kind of result that I wanted to. And the person that wound up winning that weight class is now the world team member. Um, so again, like it, it would take me, you know, he's, he's 27, 28 years old. So that's another five, six years. Realistically, I'd have to put into training um, in order for me to be at my peak for, for that level of wrestling. And I'm not sure if, you know, I'm kind of willing to, to put life on hold and, and kind of do that, you know? So, and, and I worked my butt off to get this, uh, this job offer. Um, and I'm really excited about it. I was an econ finance major. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be a little bit of a kind of rough road ahead for the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, I'd rather kind of get those, those, you know, years out of the way and, uh, kind of get on the bigger and better things. Look, sacrifice, right? And, and that's opportunity cost too. You are essentially saying, let me go in this direction. I want to work on my career. And Pat, we have a career in law workshop starting on August 2nd. And we, Bob and I right here, we're going to be coaching students that are interested in careers in law. And we're talking to high school uh, students, college students, and law school students that are really ready to make the same sacrifice. So champ, 125-pound NCAA wrestling champ, two-time New Jersey state champ, what advice do you have for our students? Oh, my God, dream big. Dream dream big and, and shoot for the stars because, um, you know, it's incredible to to see what you can accomplish when you're, when you're freed up to uh, – you know, to be the best that you can be and you and you believe in yourself because belief is a powerful thing. And so, um, take advantage of the tools around you because they're there. You just got to kind of find them sometimes. And, um, you know, you, you are capable of doing whatever you want and whatever you, your goals are. Uh, and that is the truth. It's just a matter of what you're again, what you're willing to sacrifice to do it. Yeah. I just want to follow up while we have a short period of time left, Pat. I heard you use the term at first, unsuccess that led to success, uh, which is an interesting phraseology. And you were on top of your game. I think, I think it's very true. Um, you kept doing it. You kept trying to find the workaround. And you were on the top of your game. And do I understand that you were in the NCAA um, space when COVID hit? Mm. And then you were robbed, I, I think, and explain to our audience, of this opportunity, and I, I'm, I want you to analyze this question in the terms of fairness, because we hear people say all the time, it's not fair. What happened to me is not fair. It's not right. Talk to me about that and how you felt and did you get past it? Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, COVID was a pretty unfair time for everybody, you know, and so I think that was something that kind of kept me 
stain, so to speak, was that like, you know, nobody could control what was going on. It, it was affecting everybody across the entire globe. So it was just a crazy time for everybody. I know we're glad to kind of be on the other side of it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, so like, just kind of a background to it a little bit. Um, we had just wrestled a conference tournament, which is, you know, the qualify the qualification to get into the NCAA tournament, um, in 2020. So this is March, first week of March. Um, and then, so there's a week off and then the NCAA tournament. So March madness was coming up and, you know, obviously, uh, I remember vividly there, there being the, uh, um, the jazz player, Rudy Gobert, and he was like making fun of COVID and then like he got COVID and then it became a big deal in the media. And, uh, so we were kind of just keeping our fingers crossed that we would at least get out there because it was supposed to be at us bank stadium in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the Vikings play. So huge venue, you know, super exciting, but, um, you know, obviously we, we didn't make it to that point. Cause that Thursday before we were supposed to leave that following Tuesday, everything got canceled. We actually got kicked off of Princeton's campus. This is the middle of the school year. We, had, we, were, we were asked to take all of our stuff and be out by that Friday. So it happened Thursday. By Friday, we had to have all of our stuff out and our rooms cleaned out and everything. And our parents were coming to get us. It was, it was a crazy time. But I think what it, what it you know, made me realize is that like, you know, you don't have control over a lot of things and you kind of have to be um, willing to deal with, you know, whatever life throws at you. And I think, you know, we all had to, so again, like we had to make the decision because we didn't really know whether we we're going to go back to school the next year, whether we were going to be able to wrestle or not. So we're kind of just waiting on, you know, an answer didn't, didn't come to us until like late August because they were trying, they just couldn't figure out a way to do it. And then, uh, we all kind of like spontaneously had to take gap years and, and take a year, a whole year off of school. And so we, we, I was literally living in, in a three bedroom apartment in Princeton with seven guys. We had two of them paying rent to stay on the couch, um, uh, and living off the couch. So it was just like, you know, any way to be together to train right so we the only thing we had to train for was the, like team usa so world level stuff which is like kind of extracurricular to the normal collegiate season and so i wanted to make it a world team that year and we went to serbia in the fall of 2021 and i was able to wrestle my first ever world championships uh for the under 23 uh class so it was really cool o overseas wrestling is a whole different animal I, you know if you guys are interested watch some some olympic level wrestling but um, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it, you know, again, silver lining and we got through it on the other side and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that experience, even though it was a little rough for sure. Yeah. Let me set the tone here the, at 125 this year, you were the second seed. seed. You're, You're going, going into the NCAA tournament and the number one seed in that weight class was Spencer Lee. And Spencer was going for his fourth, right? He was gonna, ideally he was the number one seed. It's you and him going to clash at the finals, and then he gets upset in the semis. So take me down to that, that point right there where you and your semis, you're ready to rip against Spencer Lee, and then he takes the L. What goes through your mind in preparation for the finals? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of been the golden question, to be honest. Uh, and, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament was created for upsets to happen. They happen every single year. It's just a matter of with who, right? And and I'm I'm saying that as someone who's been to the past ten years of NCAA wrestling championships, uh, you know, since I was ten years old, I think Carl DeSefanis, another Randolph guy, was a national champ at Penn State. He used to take me in the Penn State fan section, so I we had some good seats uh, over the years. But all that to say, right? I mean, they happen, and and it's just like 
you can't as, as a wrestler, as a competitor in that tournament, you cannot overlook the person that's in front of you. Right. So I was not thinking about anybody besides the kid I was wrestling next until I won that match Friday. And by the time I realized who I was wrestling, I was wrestling somebody else besides Spencer Lee. So I wasn't game planning really much for Spencer Lee. Yeah. We had, we were watching some film early in the year. Yeah. We had, you know, a plan if we did wrestle him, but again, it's not like, Oh my God, I'm not wrestling the person that I was supposed to like, what am I going to do? It's like, okay, let's just shift the game plan. Now let's figure out what Ramos does and let's get, let's get to work. Right. Again, having a plan of attack. That's what gives me, you know, solace and, and ability. It is to go out there and execute uh, is having a, a game, a game plan and a plan of attack that I, I'm confident in. And that I believe in, and I know I can execute on. So uh, it just was, it was, it was a game plan shift and uh, less of like a shock to the system. Maybe I didn't even find out. I wasn't even in the arena. At the time that it happened, one of the NJ.com reporters actually nonchalantly mentioned to it, uh, mentioned it to me while I was in my press conference. I thought that was kind of funny. Wow. By the way, Pat, I mean, is there a better last name for the champ? Is Glory? I mean, <laughs> do you get that a lot? Does, does anybody ever say, hey, Pat Glory, it just so happens, Glory champ? As much as you think, actually. Um, but, you know, uh, we have a cool, like, family backstory to to our last name which is uh which is pretty cool uh we used to be o glory at Ellis island they chopped off the o they were like you're welcome see they, they, they i guess at Ellis island they used to like to chop the vowels off in the beginning for the irish guys and the vowels off the end for the italian guys that's <laughs> hey listen pat you, you know the last show and and hopefully before we've gotten to you we've gotten some clips of some of the stuff you said your your mindset is unbelievable. It, the, the how unsuccess led to your success. Stick to itiveness. These are my words. How you, you were able to you recognize and spot that you had a mindset issue, um, and went out for help. And I'm thinking about back in the days when I was telling you about the trial thing from uh, the show before. That um, you know there was no Google, there was no life coach. There was no mindset coach. In fact, the people would say, when you say, oh, I have some trepidation or some concerns or, you know, that I don't feel right about this, you were basically told, well, toughen up and get over it if you're any, you know, that kind of thing. And you, you were able to identify it and get around it. But I was also very impressed. Look, you went to Princeton. You went to an Ivy League college. I mean, it's a high-level thing. Um, I talked to, Dave asked you from the episode before about why not more, why not martial arts or UFC? Why not? the Olympics, but you want to start your career in business and you want to bring those skills that you achieved in your life. So uh, to, to the, to the business, I'm curious, how did your mindset and you changing your mindset when you knew you had to, did that translate to your success scholastically at Princeton? And in terms of now your new desire to be in the financial world as a career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, you know, I tell Barton, uh, I, I definitely prioritize wrestling a little bit more than school maybe, but you know, I kind of did the bare minimum to, to get into, you know, a school like Princeton and, uh, they always joke me. They're like, you, you're the last on the academic index. So the way that it works is every team has to have a person above a certain AI. Um, and so they, they said that I was like the, the bottom of the barrel for our recruiting class. So they always, they always bust my chops, but um, once I got to Princeton, I feel like you just automatically get a sense of like the people around you. And it's like, if you don't elevate yourself, then you're going to get lost and you're going to wind up being someone who 
is barely graduating, right? Which is like, I did not want to be, you know, we have, you know, been, I've been around some people that it's like, it's a miracle they even got out uh, of the school. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, I, I was very kind of like, had the, had the fire under my butt a little bit, you know, to kind of do everything at the highest level because that's just what was expected of you. And uh, I think it was really cool. Like it, it, it really made me push myself to, you know, maximize my free time. So every time I had an instance of, of time where I had free, I was doing something productive, whether it be practice, whether it be getting work done between classes, you know, like, uh, you know, I very rarely would waste time throughout my day so that, you know, again, I wanted my free time at night. I could hang out and, you know, with my buddies or whatever to try to prioritize, get, you know, getting as much done during the day as I could. And, um, you know, I think, it, you know, it also lets to, you know, once I was starting to apply for internships and like, you know, trying to connect on the business front as well, um, you know, like reach, you know, doing the extra legwork to like really show how much you want to be around these institutions, how much you want to learn, how much you want to, uh, be a part of what they're doing. Um, you know, again, like hopping on a few phone calls, getting more, you know, connections to other people through, you know, networking like that. I mean, I think it was a huge asset for me, but again, utilizing, the older guys around me to see like, Oh, you know, that's something that they did. They're going into this business. Maybe I should try to emulate that too. So again, I was around really, really, you know, great guys and, and influential guys that are going to make, you know, make history, you know, in, in the making, I think, you know, it's it just the, the level of people that I was around at Princeton is just unmatched. And uh, yeah, you know, I graduated with three, three. Uh, I wrote a 60 page thesis that I got an A on. So, uh, you know, I wasn't the best student, but, um, you know, I really, pr you know, prided myself on trying to do the best that I could, um, given the kind of athletic restrictions that, you know, uh, d d wrestling demands. Awesome. I, I, I listened to a podcast today and it was a great quote that you just reminded me of. And that is, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Right. And that is because we need to learn and we need to shoot high to improve and things like that. Right. So I wonder, I, I know you've had mentors in your life. You went through Randolph, Del Barton, and now Princeton. But is there anyone that you've looked up to that really has made an impact in your life as to where you are right now? Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a million um, because. You know, I've been blessed to be around so many just amazing and influential and hardworking and just like humble people um, that, you know, I try to, you know, emulate a piece of each one of those uh, people every day. Obviously, my parents, um, my, my, my mom, Cheryl, my dad, Pat, um, my two siblings, my little sister, Caitlin, my little brother, Connor, um, you know, they kind of had to deal with, you know, me prioritizing wrestling and sitting in sweaty wrestling gyms for, you know, a decade, you know, as they grew up and, you know, having, you know, my mom was working in the city. My dad was usually driving me around. So they were kind of on their own for a lot of the time. Uh, you know, again, like the sacrifices they had to make my parents, you know, driving me all over the country, you know, paying for me to go to, you know, clubs and, and national dual tournaments and paying for hotel rooms and, you know, paying for school, paying for college, like, um, you know, I, I'm going to forever be indebted to them. And, and so I always, uh, you know, got to give them, you know, a shout outs, obviously <laughs> nothing in comparison to what, what my family's done for me, but, um, uh, my grandma, she was around for most of my wrestling career. She passed during COVID. 
Um, so that was, that was, you know, a hard time and, and, uh, she was living at our house. So, you know, we kind of got to see it, you know, up, up close and personal. And, uh, you know, I know she would have, you know, she would have loved to see, you know, Princeton graduation, um, as well as, you know, my other grandparents, uh, my grandfather, Fred, um, and, uh, my mom's side, um, Sylvia and Bob, um, you know, they, they passed way too early. So, you know, again, just there them watching over me, you got kind of felt their presence always, you know, which is, which is really cool. Um, and then like, you know, I would say the wrestling, the wrestling personnel, there's been so many, um, just like on a wrestling front. I mean, Carl, the Stephanus was a national champ who was like one of my first ever, you know, youth coaches at, at Randolph. He was the tri-county coach from like, I think my, my fifth grade year through when I got to high school. Um, Ryan Brennan was my first ever at tri-county mm-hmm. coach. And, uh, you know, Ryan, he actually, you know, I hadn't seen him in so long. And then I saw him a couple of weeks ago and, and it was just like walking down memory lane. We, we, you know, we couldn't, we, we, we were talking our ears off about just kind of like the old team and, you know, how cool it was to, you know, kind of see how far we've come, you know, and it was just really cool. I still tell him I use the same crossface cradle he taught me in the third grade, uh, in college. So and by uh, the way, he perfected that on my face. <laughs> Literally, that was that was my wrestling partner uh, in high school. Me and Rye, I got my butt kicked every single day by Ryan Brown. Yeah, and and for your, those of you that don't know, Ryan was a Rutgers and was a was a really phenomenal collegiate wrestler as well. Um, so I, yeah, like I had these two guys as my first ever two, you know, recreational coaches. How could how can you not want to be a great wrestler after being around you know them at the start and then. I mean, there's, there's been a million club coaches. Um, I'll, I'll shout out a few. Uh, Corey Cooperman was my like, first club coach. He actually coaches in Randolph at the club of Buxton's. Uh, so Buxton's another one of my, you know, my day one coaches who kind of really helped me during my high school career develop into, you know, a very diverse and, and kind of uh, tack oriented wrestler. Taught me all the tips and tricks of the trade. I mean, definitely one of the best coaches I've ever been around. Um, and then obviously my, my college coaches, like they really kind of prioritized me and, and took me under their wing. And, uh, you know, without them, I, I wouldn't have been, been able to, I, I would definitely wouldn't be standing here right now yeah. or sitting here right now, rather. So, um, a lot of them to thank. So I, that, that's, I think that that is uh, so great that you're, uh, another characteristic I think we see in a lot of people is the lack of arrogance, the humility and the willingness to explain who got them. To where they want to go uh any coaching in your future pat yeah i would love that um my little brother is a he just finished his seventh grade year at del barton so he'll be an eighth grader um i haven't really been able to kind of be in the room with him much we just got a, a new wrestling room on our campus um congratulations by the way with that the mike gray pat glory room right yeah yep yep so i get to share it with uh, the first ever four-time national champ um or, uh, state, state, New Jersey state champ rather, Mike um, Ray. which, which yeah. is, which is awesome. Mike Ray, he's, he's, uh, you know, another one of the huge motivators for me. Um, but yeah, so kind of want to be around their program and, and be around them. And, you know, obviously I have a bunch of buddies that are helping with the Randolph rec program with the tri-county team. So I'd love to be back in the old room and, and helping those guys out, uh, and, and give it back. So as much as I can, obviously, uh, given the, uh, the job, but I'm going to try to try to do, you know, whatever I can, um, to get back home. Yeah. 
That's that's exceptional. Look for Mason Bruno, man. Like I said, we got him. He's starting. He's starting with Ryan Brennan too. Ryan Brennan has a, a clinic starting at, at tomorrow. It actually starts tomorrow. And Ryan Brennan's one of my best friends. I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding, and uh, he sends his best because I talked to him today. I told him you were coming on. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, great dude. Okay, Pat Glory, great stuff. Dropping the wisdom, Dave. Uh, this is WMTR Radio. Something about the truth with Bob Bianchi. Dave Bruno will be right back. At the Bianchi Law Group, our team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys specialize in criminal defense and domestic violence cases. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. All right, welcome back to WMTR Radio's Nothing But The Truth with Bob Bianchi and Dave Bruno, continuing our awesome interview with Pat Glory. So, Pat, we got a couple of minutes. First, for all those of uh, my friends that are listening to this in the last two days, I, I know I have not brought up asking the question as to why Del Barton and not Seton Hall Prep. We're, we're not going to put Pat on, on the spot with regard to that. But, uh, you know, in all seriousness, let, let's wrap this up a little bit. Um, you, you're perspective on life for a young person is i think so phenomenal and we've had some major talent um on this show dave yeah and and you are you are right where they are but many years younger so that's amazing do you what advice do you have for people your age i mean i guess it's a natural thing excuse the long question for us older people as we move on to be like our mothers and fathers and say well, when we were kids, you know, um, it, that we were more of this or we were more of that. Do you see a lack? We talked before about being unsuccessful can lead to your success. We talked about unfair breaks like COVID that happened that derailed your college career. Uh, and we've talked about your resiliency. Are these characteristics you see in your generation or what advice do you have for people in your generation? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's definitely two sides of the spectrum, right? There's, um, you know, I mean, you should see the kids of Princeton because I mean, it's like crazy. Like these kids are like, you know, going to be the next, you know, leader of NASA and like, you know, some of the craziest people I've been around. It's just like, you automatically know this person's going to be someone really important. They just carry themselves with a, with a sense of stature and, and confidence about what they're doing and, and, and knowledge that they're doing something special. Um, and then you have kids that kind of like, you know, maybe accept like that they're not going to do something great. And then they kind of fall into this trap of, you know, not achieving the same potential that they, you know, maybe once thought they had. And so I think, you know, the good thing about today's day and age is that there's a, there's a million different ways to, you know, you know, do something, do something cool, do something, you know, that you find, you know, uh, to be interesting that you find to kind of create value in this life. Um, it doesn't have to be like a nine to five job anymore, so to speak. Right. I mean, there's, there's ways that you can create, you know, value, create, um, you know, not even value, you know, monetarily, but like value just like for yourself and and for, you know, feeling good about what you're doing. Um, And I think that for our generation, um, you know, obviously it's going to be something that we'll see over time because as we kind of get older and we start to get into, you know, so-called like, you know, the power roles of this country, um, you know, I, I, I think that the, that the top percent will be, 
we'll, we'll be doing an, ex, you know, an excellent job. And I, I just hope that there's kind of this motivation to kind of limit the, uh, the in-between and mm. we can have some sort of like, uh, you know, not everyone's going to be the director or the president of the United States, or the director of NASA, but Hey, we, we can do something special and, and continue to be motivated. So I haven't seen the latter, uh, too, too, too badly. Um, so, uh, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah. I just want to follow up while we have a short period of time left, Pat. I heard you use the term at first, unsuccess that led to success, uh, which is an interesting phraseology. And you were on top of your game. Oh, no, I, think, I think it's very true. Um, you kept doing it. You kept trying to find the workaround. And you were on the top of your game. And do I understand that you were in the NCAA um, space when COVID hit? Mm. And then you were robbed, I, I think, and explain to our audience of this opportunity, and I, I'm, I want you to analyze this question in the terms of fairness, because we hear people say all the time, it's not fair. What happened to me is not fair. It's not right. Talk to me about that and how you felt and did you get past it? Yeah, uh, you know, I think uh, COVID was a pretty unfair time for everybody, you know, and so I think that was something that kind of kept me sane, so to speak, was that like, you know, and nobody could control what was going on. It, it was affecting everybody across the entire globe. So it was just a crazy time for everybody. I know we're glad to kind of be on the other side of it now. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I just kind of a background to it a little bit. Um, we had just wrestled a conference tournament, which is, you know, the qualify the qualification to get into the NCAA tournament um, in 2020. So this is March, first week of March. Um, and then, so there's a week off and then the NCAA tournament. So March madness was coming up and, you know, obviously, uh, I remember vividly there, there being the, uh, um, the jazz player, Rudy Gobert, and he was like making fun of COVID and then like he got COVID and then it became a big deal in the media. And, uh, so we were kind of just keeping our fingers crossed that we would at least get out there because it was supposed to be at us bank stadium in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the Vikings play. So huge venue, you know, super exciting, but, um, you know, obviously we, we didn't make it to that point. Cause that Thursday before we were supposed to leave that following Tuesday, everything got canceled. We actually got kicked off of Princeton's campus. This is the middle of the school year. We, had, we were, we were asked to take all of our stuff and be out by that Friday. So it happened Thursday by Friday. We had to have all of our stuff out and our rooms cleaned out and everything. And our parents were coming to get us. It was, it was a crazy time. But I think what it, what it you know made me realize is that like you know you don't have control over a lot of things and you kind of have to be um, willing to deal with you know whatever life throws at you and I think you know we all had to so again like we had to make the decision because we didn't really know whether we were going to go back to school the next year whether we were going to be able to wrestle or not so we we're kind of just waiting on you know an answer it didn't didn't come to us until like late August because they were trying they just couldn't figure out a way to do it and then uh, we all kind of like spontaneously had to take gap years. And, and take a year a whole year off of school and so we we i was literally living in, in a three-bedroom apartment in princeton with seven guys we had two of them paying rent to stay on the couch uh, and living off the couch so it was just like you know any way to be together to train right so we the only thing we had to train for was the, the team usa so world level stuff which is like kind of extracurricular to the normal collegiate season and so I wanted to make it a world team that year. And we went to Serbia in the fall of 2021 and I was able to wrestle my first ever world championships. 
Worlds uh, for the under-23 uh, class. So it was really cool. O- overseas wrestling is a whole different animal. Uh, you know, if you guys are interested, watch some some Olympic-level wrestling. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it was, it, you know, again, silver lining. And we got through it on the other side. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that experience, even though it was a little rough for sure. Yeah, let me set the tone here. The, at 125 this year, you were the second seed. seed. You're, You're going, going into the NCAA tournament, and the number one seed in that weight class was Spencer Lee. And Spencer was going for his fourth, right? He was going to, ideally, he was the number one seed. It's you and him going to clash at the finals, and then he gets upset in the semis. So take me down to that, that point right there where you and your semis, you're ready to rip against Spencer Lee, and then he takes the L. What goes through your mind in preparation for the finals? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of been the golden question, to be honest. Uh, and, uh, you know, the NCAA tournament was created for upsets to happen. They happen every single year. It's just a matter of with who, right? And, and I'm, I'm saying that as someone who's been to the past 10 years of NCAA wrestling championships, uh, you know, since I was 10 years old, I think. Carl DeStefanis, another Randolph guy who's a national champ at Penn State, used to take me in the Penn State fan section. So I, we had some good seats uh, over the years. But all that to say, right, I mean, they happen. And, and it's just like you can't, as, as a wrestler, as a competitor in that tournament, you cannot overlook the person that's in front of you, right? So I was not thinking about anybody besides the kid I was wrestling next until I won that match Friday. And by the time I realized who I was wrestling, I was wrestling somebody else besides Spencer Lee. So I wasn't game planning really much for Spencer Lee. Yeah, we had we were watching some film early in the year. Yeah, we had you know a plan if we did wrestle him. But again, the, it's not like, oh my God, I'm not wrestling the person that I was supposed to like. What am I going to do? It's like, okay, let's just shift the game plan. Now let's figure out what Ramos does and let's get, let's get to work. Right. Again, having a plan of attack. That's what gives me, you know, solace and, and ability it is to go out there and execute, uh, is having a, a game, a game plan and a plan of attack that I, I'm confident in and that I believe in and I know I can execute on. So, uh, it just was, a, was, it was a game plan shift and, uh, less of like a shock to the system. Maybe I didn't even find out. I wasn't even in the arena. At the time that it happened, one of the NJ.com reporters actually nonchalantly mentioned, to it, uh, mentioned it to me while I was in my press conference. So I thought that was kind of funny. I, I want to add to this. Look, you, you talked about it last episode, and I just want to highlight it again. And that was your time management. You essentially conquered your time management because you had to balance uh, education as well as athletics. Right. And you also avoid distraction. So, so we're wrapping it up here, but I want you to highlight that again about how you conquered that time management and how it has led to your success. I'll keep it short. Um, basically, you know, have a, have a schedule and stick to it, uh, and, and be mindful of that schedule because it's going to be really important for you to, you know, have a routine. I think routine is the, the bottom line, have a routine and stick to it. Pat, glory. Expected one episode, Dave. We got two. I, you have given me encouragement about our future. 
and uh, you're a tremendous success. And if you ever decide to be a lawyer, don't forget about the Young Law Group because we'd love to have you on board. Mindset is about uh, the first thing that we look for, Dave. All right, WMTR Radio is nothing but the truth. Pat Glory and your host, Bob Bianchi, Dave Bruno. Every Saturday, 1030, Dave, the podcast. What does it drop? Yeah, nothing but the truth podcast.com is where we drop the videos on Wednesdays after this radio show. Also has all the videos of all our prior guests and the podcast are in Spotify, Google iTunes, uh, iTunes and Google Podcasts. Okay. Thanks, Pat. We'll see you guys next week. We're the Bianchi Law Group, a team of former prosecutors and certified criminal trial attorneys. But here's the thing. He put himself in a box when he said... Relied on by CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Law and Crime, and news leaders across the country for our criminal defense expertise. In a search warrant, you have to have probable cause that a crime's been committed and there's evidence in a particular place. When you need a law firm with courage, compassion, and the commitment to fight for you, call the Bianchi Law Group today. Hey everybody, it's Bob and Dave. Uh, hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend and we're rolling into summer. Uh, nice and hot and right now we got a little Canada, Canada smoke outside, but we got a great announcement for everybody. It's, it's, it's so much on fire, Dave, that it's actually literally smoking outside. Literally smoking outside. It's, it's pretty uh, unbelievable actually. Um, but we got some big news. Uh, some of you may have already seen this or heard about it either on our radio show or on our social media platforms, but we are rolling out a workshop for students, something that uh, we did as prosecutors and also at the Bianchi Law Group, but this is called Careers in Law Workshop. It is a five-week program on Wednesday nights. Bob and I are going to be the coaches for students, students specifically, uh, high school students, college students, and law school students interested in careers in law. And it's going to be a five-week program on Wednesday nights over Zoom. And again, Bob and I are going to be doing this, and we're really excited to be offering this out to our friends and family. And we're asking everybody to share this information for us and share it to any students or family members or friends that you think could benefit from it. But the roots of the program go way back to the prosecutor. So, Bob, why don't you fill us in on how this really started? Yeah, one of the greatest aspects of being the county prosecutor was that we started a community affairs unit on the first day that I was in office. And it was really a prolific unit. And I'm, I'm still grateful for all those detectives and support staff and assistant prosecutors. But one of the things that we recognized was in desperate need was to have programs that educated individuals, ch- kids in particular, that were in careers in law enforcement and careers in law. So when when I got out and Dave and myself joined the uh, made the partnership, it was very important for us to continue our career in law program. And up until COVID, we were doing it routinely in a brick and mortar space. We had up to 12 participating colleges where we would go and we do this course over a number of weeks, meet the professionals, uh, break down a trial so that they got the different areas of law, how to do a, an interview, how to prepare a resume. We had various paraprofessionals in the profession. What we tried to do was to give them a sense of what it was like to be a lawyer. And these individuals, not only many of them have ESQ after their names now, Dave, and still keep in contact with us, but it was also a great networking opportunity. But they were saying to us in the feedback, it's the first time they ever got a realistic view on what being a lawyer is and what it takes to become a lawyer. So for those who were interested in a career in law, it was great. And yet there were also some who were kind of thinking about it. And after the program said, you know, I don't think that this is right for me. So when we 
talked post-COVID, we kind of were feeling bad that we didn't have an opportunity to continue to do this in the brick and mortar space. But we were like, what do we need to do that for? We will learn Zoom and all these things. We can now take this course internationally. So we are super excited about taking the content we've done for many years and now putting it in a format where it can be given to and help so many more students thinking about this question, Dave. Yeah, sure. We learned so much from COVID. Um, not only were we able to scale our business, but we also learned about the webinars and the online courses and the digital products and things like that. And as you guys know, we're, we're on national television and we have the equipment here. This is where we film nothing but the truth. And we have the cameras and the microphones and the lights and we're all ready to go. So in essence, we're taking that, that program that we did to the 12 participating schools in New Jersey and we're offering it to everybody in the nation and in the world. I just want to add one thing to it. And then one thing is if you do graduate, you get a certificate of completion. And some people may say, well, what does that mean? You're not an accredited college or this, that, and the other. The point is, is when an employer is looking at your dedication, love, desire, passion to become an attorney, many of these students have this on their LinkedIn profiles. They have it in their bios. And when they're asked about it, they say, well, we didn't get any credits for it. We did the extra mile because we were interested. And when they explained the program, we've heard many times the employers were impressed. I I can't help but think that it made a critical difference. Absolutely. I could even relate myself. I mean, I have a finance degree from Seton Hall, and I went into New York Law School thinking that I was going to go into corporate law. And I had some mentors in my life, namely uh, Ed Belinkus, that showed me the way into the criminal justice system, the roles of prosecutor and defense. And, and that may not be for everyone, but that's why we're bringing in a lot of different types of lawyers to give everybody a little sense of what type of areas of law are out there. So we have the web page to go to. There's also going to be an email that goes with this video. But the web page is I want to be a lawyer dot law. That's where the registration page is, all the information on the module and what it includes and what we're going to be covering. And then just for being friends and family, we've created a coupon code. Actually, that's unique to BLG Friends. That's the coupon code that could be used on the registration page, and that's for $100 off the seat. The seat is at $499 right now. It looks like we're getting the registrants, and that may go up, but the coupon is always going to be there for our friends and family. BLG friends at I want to be a lawyer.law. And we're super excited about the page. We're super excited about the offer. And we're asking you guys to forward this email to your friends and family and any students that are interested in being attorneys. We would love to have them. And then also, we have an affiliate program as well. If you're interested in actually selling and making some money on it, we could set you up with an affiliate link specific to your own. Um, if you're interested in that, just give us a call either at the office or respond to our email. We'll set you up. And then finally, it's just something that we're talking about on the radio show, on television, in the email. Press releases are going out. You're seeing posts online. So if you guys could help us spread the word, we would really appreciate that. Yeah, I'll just close with saying that if you are getting this message, uh, you have been identified as our family and friends, our close contacts. Uh, so we have always appreciated the support that you guys have given us. This program has been tried, tested, and true. It's a great value. We're really excited about doing it. So any support you can put behind that with family, friends, putting the word out there, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. I guess that's it, Dave, because we're ready to rock and roll. August 2nd. Let's do this. Yeah, we have less than two months. I want to be a lawyer.law and coupon code BLG Friends. 
Thanks again, guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks.